0: It's Robin Marshall. You can call me Sugar Mom. Today I want to talk about sexual fetishes. We all have them. We may not think of them as fetishes because we may think that it's the norm that we like what we like. So let's compare notes. Firstly, there's a fetish called analagnia, and it means having an attraction to a much older woman. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. To begin with, a younger man may be attracted to an older woman, but he must not think for one second that she is allowing him to make her feel younger. Because being the age that she is, she's the one that attracted him. If anything, she'd probably wish he was older. But it's fun, and it's a great fetish, and if you haven't done it, try it. If you're single or Getting there. I think younger men look at older women and think to themselves, there will be less drama because these women have already been through it and they know what they want out of life. And it's much easier on a guy to be with somebody that's secure with themselves. And for us, being the older woman, it doesn't hurt (laughs) to have that ego stroke from a younger man. The only thing that bothers me a little bit is I can't picture a future. You know, when I'm 80, he'll be 60. (laughs) If he dies, he dies. (laughs) The next one is called pygophilia, and it's sexual excitement that's caused by your behind. (laughs) That's not so abnormal. I think most of us, when somebody leaves a room, looks at their butt. You sort of can tell if somebody's in shape or if they're skinny or if they're not just by looking at the back of somebody's pants or jeans or a tight skirt. And being larger is not necessarily a detrimental thing. I mean, look at J-Lo and Kim Kardashian. They got enough for everybody. They got a lot to go around. And they're beautiful women. Moving on, trichophilia is a sexual fetish where a person is aroused by hair. Yes, and it usually means the hair on your head, but it can also include chest hair, or any other hair on the body. For instance, men might love the feel of long, silky hair draping on their chest or just putting their hands through a woman's hair. Some women like to have their long hair or short hair pulled. Also, the stubble from a man's beard on the back of a woman's neck. My hand is up in the air on this one. I have that fetish. I admit it. I know I am a trichophiliac. Moving on, as I get myself so excited here, tronophilia. You know how difficult this is for me to even pronounce these words? And this is the desire to have sex in front of a mirror. Oh, come on, don't even tell me you haven't done this. It's hotter than hell. It's almost like looking at another couple while you're doing something from whatever position. It's kind of kinky, but it's borderline. Like you have the potential for kink in you if you like to watch yourselves in the mirror. Then we have nismulgania. And that I find to be ridiculous, but it's the arousal to being tickled. Seriously, if you enjoy being tickled, then you have this fetish, and that was probably the hardest one to pronounce. And it's hard for me to even understand somebody that has that as a fetish because when I'm tickled, the first thing I want to do is get away from somebody. (laughs) <laughs> there are other people that just have to go to the bathroom, <laughs> neither of which are very sexually stimulating in, in my skill set. How about pteranphilia? And that is the arousal to being tickled by feathers or maybe a really light touch. It's sort of teasing and it's a little bit maddening, but that's the part of the arousal. It just makes your hair stand up. Your skin come alive. Think of a boa, like a feather boa that somebody is just draping across you. Do you think you'd be into that? You might want to try it. Then we have titillagania, and that's the compulsion to tickle other people. I would think you'd look for another partner if you found somebody with that fetish. The eighth fetish is balloon fetishism. And that's getting off on balloons. Okay, so let me try and explain this one. So for instance, someone might like playing with the balloon itself and stretching the latex to its limit. Others like blowing up balloons until they pop. I mean, to me, that's scary. Both of them because they can snap and hurt you. And others like to sit on the balloons and pop them. And these are all considered sexual fetishes. And in many cases, the arousal aspect has to do with the anticipation of waiting for that balloon to burst. See, just when you thought you were crazy, now you know somebody else is crazier than you. Voyeurism is the desire to spy on other people for sexual arousal and gratification. I think everybody has a little bit of that in them, but not everybody will admit it. It's like If you could picture yourself inside of a closet watching another couple having sex, would you get turned on by it? Or maybe just watching porn? I think there are more of us that are than aren't. I mean, for that matter, if we didn't have it in us, there wouldn't be such a thing as porn. We move on to exhibitionism, which is the need to display your good parts in public. We all hear stories about pervs that do this, but exhibitionism isn't inherently perverted or dirty. People enjoy doing this with their partners or crushes too. They would get a thrill out of doing things that are taboo, that are not normal for society, like having sex outside in a parking lot between the cars while you know that nobody can see you, or thinking that maybe somebody can Or maybe driving in your car, wearing a dress with nothing underneath, and passing a truck and letting your skirt ride up a little bit higher. Anybody out there do anything like that? It's more typical than not. (laughs) Sadism is the desire to cause psychological and physical pain to your partner. So that one's not for me. Don't know about you, but if I break a nail, I cry. But I do like that pulling of the hair and... You know, knowing that somebody is a little bit rougher every once in a while, I don't find anything wrong with that. It can enheighten sex, but to blatantly hurt somebody or want to hurt somebody, I think you have to have a different kind of streak in you, and I'd like you to stay away from me, if you don't mind. I'm asking politely. No whips, no candle wax, no biting. I don't need any of that kind of pain. Want to pull my hair? Go for it. Masochism is the attraction to experiencing psychological and physical pain. They're often misunderstood. Not anybody really talks about it that much. In fact, they stay in the closet more often than not until somebody that might be dominant can spot them. And I think they are easily spotted, but I don't think they'll discuss it in public. Pictophilia is getting an arousal from a pornographic or erotic picture or videos. Well, I think that's just the same thing as porn. And men are very visual creatures. So, I mean, I'm sure every one of them has this fetish. And women aren't that far behind. Stigmatophilia is an attraction to adornments like piercings and tattoos. This does nothing for me. I don't know how you feel about a man who's got like an entire arm tattooed or something on his back or, you know, on his chest. The first thing that I think is that had to hurt like hell. So he's got to be into pain. (laughs) And I'm not sure I want to be with a man like that. And the piercings, when I see somebody with something coming out of their nose or eyebrows, I just want to run in the opposite direction. But there are people that really get off on this kind of stuff naval fetishisms. Yes, the deep, deep love of belly buttons. It's widely spread. Many have this fetish. And that's not necessarily what the belly button looks like. It's what it feels like when you just lightly touch your finger in there. Have you ever tried it? I would suggest the next time you're with your partner, just let them do it and see if it makes you uncomfortable or if it makes you excited. There's no real in-between with that one. Rediffism is a shoe fetish. Do you know how common shoe fetishes are? I mean, do I have to tell you this? When we walk into a store and we see a pair of shoes we love, do we not buy them? And do we not buy them with the thought in mind that the man we're going to wear them for is going to just have a heart attack when he sees us with those shoes on and nothing else? And imagine being a shoe salesman. He's got to be in total control of himself if a woman comes to try on a pair of shoes with a skirt on and he's helping her put the shoe on and she's got nothing underneath that skirt He needs to win like the Academy Award for keeping a straight face and being able to stand up in front of her. (laughs) It makes for a great story and a great visual. Maybe I'll take off on that one next. (laughs) Podophilia is sexual arousal caused by feet, and there are tons of people with feet fetishes. I used to know a guy that used to like to polish my toenails. (laughs) To each his own. But some people do like to lick toes and suck on toes. And I just pray that if they do something like that, they have washed their feet ahead of time. Underwear fetishisms. And that's not just seeing somebody in underwear. It's handling the underwear. It's feeling that feeling, the panties or the pantyhose or the bras, the fabrics that they're made of. Some men will take a woman's pair of panties And just keep them in their drawer just so they can touch them occasionally. It makes them feel good. Nasolingus is the arousal to sucking someone's nose. Oh my God. Tell me it's not true. (laughs) Well, I guess it's an oral fixation of some sort, right? Is there anybody out there that likes to do that? My dog might. And they say people that have this fetish also are into biting. You know, at this point, after reading a couple of these things, I think every man and woman should have a list that is pinned to them somewhere that is numbered and says, you know, number one through ten are my fetishes. (laughs) So when we meet them, we know to either be attracted or run like hell. Colrophilia is the sexual attraction to clowns. That is bizarre. Honestly, most people I know are afraid of clowns, which I don't get, but you know, so what? It's not a big deal. But I find more clowns on dating sites than I care to discuss. So who would be attracted to sleeping with a clown? And with that, I say, we've learned enough about fetishes today. If you have one that I didn't list, please share with the rest of us. Put it right on my website or right on my podcast. Go to sugarmom.net or find my Sugar Mom podcast on iTunes or any of the podcast hosts. I'd be really curious to hear if you had something that I didn't mention just now. (laughs) That was quite a list, you have to admit it. (gasps) Now comes the million-dollar question. Do you think that you could date a sugar daddy? There could be many perks. Don't turn your nose up until we talk about it. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom, and I'd like to talk to you about something that I consider to be a full-time job, dating. And I could just picture your eyes rolling to the back of your head as I just said that, because it's true. The amount of work we have to put ourselves through to make ourselves visible is ridiculous. Let's talk about the traditional way of meeting somebody by chance, maybe at a club, maybe at a bar, maybe at a library, shopping center, supermarket, who knows? But the chances are so slim, next to none. And by the time you get yourself all dressed up to go sit at that bar and wait for Mr. Perfect to show up, 15 minutes is all it takes for me, and that's pushing it. I leave. I can't sit there. And I know that the person that's going to be sitting next to me sharing a drink and trying to converse with me is going to have nothing that I want to hear come out of his lips. Nothing. I'm defeated before I even get there. I mean, think about it. If we go out on a Thursday night, let's say, and we put ourselves at a bar, we're as bad as the next person that's doing the same thing that winds up sitting beside us. Let's talk about dating sites. Now, here's an interesting phenomena. You go on the, again, traditional type dating site, and you find a bunch of guys that either misrepresent themselves. Now, granted, I'm talking to women right now. It's probably the same for you guys when you go on and see women, but I'm talking to the ladies. They'll wear sunglasses. You can't tell if they're cross-eyed, what color their eyes are, whether they have eyes or not. They might post a photo that's 10 years old. They may post a picture that's from mid-chest up so that when you do meet them, They're as big as a house, but you just couldn't tell from the photograph. And with a traditional dating site, you really don't know somebody's ambition. You know where it says the little slot, are you ambitious? And it'll say a little, a lot, very. Well, who's not going to check very? Everybody's going to check that they're very ambitious Because they're on a dating site and they're trying to find a date. It takes ambition to be successful. So you just never know whether you create the perfect profile for yourself. You don't know if the other person is telling the truth or not about themselves. So in reality, we're setting ourselves up for a potential disaster. Now every once in a while we get lucky And I'm not saying that sexually. I'm saying we do find somebody that's kind and sincere and represents themselves the right way. But those guys are being courted by 20 other women, just like us. And do you blame them? Guys that tell the truth are a hot commodity. Let's get down to the nitty gritty here. What do you really want to know about a guy? When you meet him for the first time, what do you want to know? Let's be real. You want to know if he makes a good living. Now, no one here is saying that you want his money. You just want to know that he can take care of himself well enough so that he's not going to be asking you for anything and that in the future there might be a possibility he could take care of you too. What is wrong with thinking like that or wondering? I don't want to meet somebody that pretends to be a millionaire and then turns out to have nothing. And, of course, I'm exaggerating extremes. You want to know how well endowed he is, don't you? I mean, every man should wear a number on the lapel of their shirt or jacket. Don't you think that says seven inches, nine inches? (laughs) You think I'm kidding? I'm serious. Don't you wonder what he's like? I mean, they can see what we have. Right? We're right up front in their face. They can see our chest, our breast size. They already know half of the equation of what's inside of us that's in store for them. But we know nothing. I almost think it should be a prerequisite. Another thing, I want to know if that man knows how to kiss. I don't want to spend a whole night with somebody over drinks, maybe even go as far as having dinner And find out that he does not know what to do with any part of his body. You talk about a natural disaster. How do you kiss someone that doesn't know how to kiss you back? Or how do you wait for them to kiss you? And not understand that they don't kiss you because they're scared to death and don't know what to do. We take it personally. We think it's our fault. It's just the way we are. So right off the bat. I want to know what you do for a living. I want to know how much money you make. I want to know how well endowed you are. I want to know how sensual you are. And I want to know why you're divorced. (laughs) What's wrong with wanting to know all of those things before I step foot out of my house into that restaurant to meet you? Hmm? (laughs) Oh, so wait, I'm going to go even further here just when you thought you'd heard it all. Here's what I think, as if I haven't told you enough. The sugar daddy sites are the way to go. Now let me explain before you get yourself all crazy on me. When you look for a man on a sugar daddy site, you don't have to look for a man that's going to pay you money for sex. There are many men on sugar daddy sites that are really looking for a traditional relationship. Like they wanna meet one woman. They believe that they can find that one woman, the perfect woman. And the reason I feel that a sugar daddy site is the way to go is because at least you already know they've got money, they've got confidence, they're secure. And chances are, if they're willing to be a sugar daddy They're well endowed. You see, all the little pieces of the puzzle fit together. But wouldn't it be a blessing to a guy on a sugar daddy site to meet a woman who wasn't looking for money, but was just looking for the perfect guy? Ding! It's a match made in heaven. You need to check it out, but you have to write the right profile. It's got to be enticing, it's got to be subtle. You can't talk about money. No. You have to make that man write to you. You don't go searching for him. Let them know how confident you are. Let them know how sassy you are. Secure. You work for a living. You don't have time for nonsense. But you work hard and you play harder. Men love to hear that. Don't show them anything other than your beautiful face or maybe your beautiful legs. Nothing more, nothing less. Make them want to know and see more. That is the sight. Again, they've got money. They are secure. They're not embarrassed to talk about sex. They'll talk about anything you want to talk about, these guys. And they're thrilled to have a woman that will listen and won't be afraid to discuss the same things back. I know I make sense with this. I know it. I just think you should try it. I'm not telling you to ask for money. Remember that. This is not about the money. This is just about knowing that you can find somebody out there that is comfortable in his own skin. Wow. That's the part. When you go on these other sites, you know, the traditional match... And all of these other, like, everyday normal people kind of sites, not that we're abnormal, but these people are not necessarily telling the truth, which means they're not comfortable in their own skin. And you're going to get caught up in that web of disguise. So go for the real deal. There's lots of sites like that out there, too, and they're not all called sugar daddy sites. Just Google the word and see what you come up with. The very bottom line is if you try a Sugar Daddy site, do not search because they will see you looking at their profiles. Now, listen to me. You put up a really good profile. Be honest. Put real pictures up. Make them come to you. Isn't it better for you to have options? Let yourself be the one to pick and choose who you want to talk to, and that's all you should do. A man on a sugar daddy site? Talk to him. Email, text for a couple weeks before you make a decision to go meet each other. Because you can talk about everything on a site like that. Without being inhibited. Talk about things you've never done before that you'd like to try. Trust me when I say, he'll be all ears. There's one more thing, though. Oh, this is the part that kills me. I started off by telling you that dating is like a full-time job, and I went through all of the procedures that you have to go through to try and find a date. But here's the one thing on top of all that is so debilitating to me. It's like, do you really want to go through the effort to try and explain yourself all over again to somebody new? I mean, who in his right mind would want to date me knowing that I have a book out called Diary of a Sugar Mom, knowing that I live in a different city from my own children, Knowing that I have a podcast called Sugar Mom and I talk about sex and relationships and seduction, how am I going to explain that to a new suitor? How am I not going to scare him away? (laughs) If I were him, I'd be running for the hills. Or if I were that guy that I really would love to meet, if dating, I would be listening to every word I said because I find myself to be very interesting. (laughs) I do. (laughs) A little quirky but very entertaining. It's getting past that hump of knowing it's going to be hard work to explain yourself again. How many times can we say how wonderful we are? But... You keep your chin up because that person is out there. They just haven't found you yet. It's truly exhausting. I mean, really, can you imagine guys on the street walking up to you saying, Hey, I'm a nine. I'm an eight and a half, but I'm wide. (laughs) What goes on in my head during the day is insanity. (sighs) But you can't tell me you never thought of this before. Really? Hey, by the way, go to my store. Look at the stuff I've got. Everything I wear, I have in my store. All the makeup and the cosmetics, earrings, jewelry, ankle bracelets, I sell in my store. I wear them because I love them. You can also hear a lot more of my podcasts on iTunes or on my website, and you can read my blogs some of which will knock you to your knees. And the web address is sugarmom.net. You might like my blogs, lots of craziness going on on that page. Find me on Facebook, just type in Sugar Mom. I love your company and thank you for spending time with me. It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. Why? Because I can be. And so can you. A Westwood One podcast production.